back. This podcast is scheduled for one fall. One fall! With a 60-minute time limit coming out of the black corner, combined weight of 666 pounds, recording to you from the beer stand at Orchard Park. I'm your boy, Xander Hobbs. This is... Bobby B. And once again, we're bringing another edition of the Wrestleocalypse. It's... It is upon us? I guess. But it is upon us. We missed you guys last week, and the... Tremendous beatdown that the Philadelphia Eagles caught. Oh man, I like man. It it almost looked like when Drago got in the ring. Ivan Drago, for those of you who maybe need to Google it, with um, Apollo Creed. Yes, Apollo Creed. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. And um, we have to continue on. Next team up is the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo Bills. So this is a big must-win game once again, but we will get more to that in the NFL section and in the mailbag. But right now we've got some wrestling business that we've got to handle. So where are we starting? Yeah, man, probably biggest news WWE side is none other than Bill CM Punk, voice of the voiceless, best in the world, uh, Pepsi tattoo guy. He, after lots of bloviating, finally made a decision, and he is on the Raw brand. Right. And, of course, the Drip King himself, Seth freaking Rollins, had something to say about that. Cut a great promo. Yeah. I definitely was- great promo. Crowd was into it. Um, a lot of nice callbacks. A lot of, uh, you know, things that maybe if, say he were a maybe less established wrestler he probably couldn't get away with saying without maybe catching some heat from cm punk right i don't i don't necessarily know i guess the big difference was at wwe because triple h runs a tight ship they probably went over what the promo subject matter was going to be so there was no surprises i know that's one of the things that a lot of the iwc commentators really caught on to was like well this is no different than what hangman punk said or uh hangman page said but it was more of how he went about doing his business yeah i understand that and i i don't know i i'm still not too upset about what hangman page said because i didn't think that was a big deal and cm punk um has thin skin so you know and anytime anyone speaks somewhat of the truth you'll notice it's true because the other party gets mad and upset so there must have been some truth to what hangman was saying and there was some truth to what our boy seth rollins was saying but I, all that being said it's going to be a setup for a good match i mean i'm sure i'm sure they should hold off to that till wrestlemania right their their title match yeah i would hope so i mean wrestlemania is now two nights and i definitely see a night one main event being cm punk and seth rollins and that easily being a main event no like, yeah. one would question that right no and so that's kind of what he said right the goal is to main event wrestlemania so that's, that's where the storyline is going and he wants to compete for a title i just saw a thing like i'm very suspicious i don't believe reigns is going to drop the title until after he surpasses Hulk Hogan. so when's that gonna be i think it's within a year i think he's like so maybe not this cycle, but maybe next cycle. So he's gonna he's gonna hold on to the title again. 
I just, I mean, we've talked about it before and you've recognized it. WWE is trying to rewrite a lot of their history. And at this point, what is the point of having him drop it before he erases Hogan's record? Well, then Cody Rhodes is done then. He's like, it's not going to be, it's not, I don't want a two year long program about him losing the title. He's held the, t- held the title for almost four years. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying, based on all of a sudden Gunter being the longest reigning intercontinental champion and all of these different things they've done to erase, and the Usos are the longest reigning tag team champions and all of this stuff. It's like, I mean, I would not be surprised, although I think we'll learn a lot more at Royal Rumble. And I'm sorry, but I'm just going to go ahead and say this, that... I don't care how many accolades they hand out to Roman Reigns. He's still not in the conversation with like Austin, Rock, Hogan, or even fucking Cena. So like they can just do all that shit he wants. There's still there's still gonna be an asterisk by his name. For for maybe some of the older, you know, for our generation, probably so, but you know, eventually, I mean, like, what's like, so what's what's so good about him that he has to hold the belt for four years? Like Austin didn't even hold the belt that long. Like, like what's so good about him? Tell me. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not trying, in. I'm, I'm just not trying to those, make the math. I'm not in those conversations. I'm uh, not in the room. But like I said, and maybe this is all just a bunch of hearsay and innuendo but um they have missed every opportunity to have him drop the title and now we're resting solely on cody rhodes which i think would be a apropos for sure but i mean do you like all the people he's beaten all the opportunities they've had really great storylines that they've had opportunities where he could lose not lose any like anything and they haven't done it. So until they do, right, you have to assume he's always going to go over. Until yeah. he loses, the assumption is he's going to win. Unfortunately. So, but um, what did you think about CM Punk saying he doesn't want to work with our personal favorite Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens is punching people backstage? He said what? So CM Punk said he didn't think he could work with Kevin Owens because who would work with someone who's just punching people backstage? Can't do True. that in 2023. Right. Nice call back to his own uh, bad behavior. So, right. I think they've got him on a pretty short leash, and I think he really rec- understands that there is no. This is it. Like this is going to define your legacy. There's going to be nothing but meet and greets and and Hall of Fame shit after this. Yeah, like what Seth Rollins said, this is his last chance. So that uh, that was correct. Yeah, I don't. I mean. I think there's a world where Tony Khan gives him a buttload of money again. Yeah. Cause Tony Khan's dumb like that. Yeah. Well, he doesn't, he's not here to build, make money. He's here to fucking make friends and friends. Right. <laughs> so, but overall, like I think WWE is, this is like my favorite part of kind of the year. Cause Royal rumble, their storylines going into Royal rumble, but really it's the storylines that are coming out of Royal rumble that matter. And so I'm excited to see where they go. We know there's going to be a couple of surprise entrants. I always like Royal Rumble to see who they're going to give 
the Iron Man, who stays in the longest, who throws over the most people. You know, there's they have all of their title can all of their title holders, uh, especially on the men's side, um, have held them for a long time and are, I would say, definite, solid main eventers that could easily put somebody over with a program, Seth Rollins, Gunter and Reigns, although Reigns is a part timer. We've dealt with Reigns, but so it's 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 cool because somebody could get it and it doesn't mean they have to go after Reigns. Right, they could exactly. choose to go after, which I think would be cool if they went after Gunter, helping to continue to elevate the IWC, the Intercontinental, not IWC, Intercontinental uh, Championship. Um, and lastly, uh, Charlotte Flair looks to be out for maybe nine months. Nine bad months. knee injury. Gonna yeah, like, well, a lot of odds and ends. Uh, bad knee injury for Charlotte. Speedy recovery, or as we've said our piece about her all, plenty of times, but still don't like to see people get injured. This is their livelihood. Um, Liv Morgan got popped, uh, for a little marijuana in Florida. Stupid. Cause she lives uh, in a fucking third world country, right? They're decades behind. So no, you can go to their pain management facilities and fucking get addicted to Oxycontin. But yeah, that's okay. God, God forbid you have a little bit of fucking herb on you. Right. So that's just what some of the stuff we have to deal with for all you people listening in out of the country. Yeah, right. I think um, some I don't know if you're gonna touch on this. I didn't put it in, but I uh a lot of people are gonna be their non-compete is ending soon. That's specifically true. and good like Mustafa Ali, um Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler or Nick Nemeth for I guess how he's going by now. So gonna be interesting to see where they end up. Obviously, like lots of talk about Dolph getting to AEW his brother. His brother's there. He's got a, probably a bunch of friends there. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Mustafa Ali and somewhere cool, but I, I think he'd be doing well on Impact. Yeah, or TNA, so too. what they're calling that, uh, whatever they're calling it these days. I think he'd be a good fit there. Um, I just, I mean, that's cool that if Ziggler goes to AEW, but like their roster is bloated as it is, and. I just don't see where he would fit in. That's just me. Yeah. No, I agree. But I mean, it would, I mean, I want to see him wrestle somewhere, right? True. But it would be cool. It would be good if somehow Impact can get together a bunch of money and get a bunch of these dudes, steal some headlines, put it together. They've got a lot of good talent. Josh they Alexander. Like the machine guns, the mm-hmm. rascals, moose. Um, you know, they have who else is there that I like? I mean, not Eddie Edwards. I don't like Eddie Edwards, but he's there. He's there, though. He's there. But I mean, that's the, pretty much the top of the list right there that we mentioned. So, yeah, I, is Sammy Callahan out or is he? I don't know what he's doing, honestly. I've been trying to keep tabs on him, but I don't know if he's doing a GCW thing right now. Right. Or, but yeah. It's interesting. Like you said, odds and odds and ends. Um, but we got to move on to a little bit of AEW before we move on to what everybody's really clamoring for, which is always the cool shit. But uh, the tournament remains one of the more compelling things on the program. It's given us a bunch of cool matches. Um, maybe missing some good opportunities. Like we both, I think we talked about it. 
um, and show prep. Not super happy with Strickland dropping dropping the match to Mox. Um, a, a, a concerning pattern of of Moxley. Maybe is this like the uh, the John Moxley's reign of terror? Is is he doing his version of Triple H? Yeah, seriously. Um, like, but he had it like you know. I really would have liked to see him get a draw against Strickland or even a draw against uh, Mark Briscoe when they wrestled. Right. Just like he doesn't have to just beat everybody and no sell everything. That's we're we're out with John Moxley and it's I it's really hard to watch his matches. Like I like I I watched the one with Strickland just because it was Strickland, but other than that it's just it's really a chore and it used to not be that way. I know. I almost feel like he should just start coming through the crowd and like somebody he should just like as he walks in just like bash his head against the wall start bleeding to just get over with like yes okay now i can go like um but it's cool i mean generally speaking though i really like john moxley and he's stepped up big for aw since he got here and i certainly enjoyed this iteration of his character more than what we saw in wwe but of late they've really creative has really been leaning maybe they're giving him too much input but just there's no creativity to it it's the same shit every time yeah and it's it's not good booking no, it does. It's it's not good. That's just pretty much where it's at. It's not good. So, yeah. I'm uh, Ricky Starks always gold on the mic. Yeah, always good in the ring. He is getting a program. I don't know where that's going to go. We talked about Kenny Omega's injury. That does bring up some issues with the storyline with Jericho. Um, hopefully, AEW takes a step back. Chris Jericho's worked a lot. He's an older dude. Maybe give him some time off, get him off camera a little bit, reset. I think Jericho's character of late has kind of become like almost um, like a parody of himself. And so maybe he just takes a step back. He would, you know, if he's off TV for a while, the crowd will pop when he comes back. They, everyone's going to remember the, the, the lyrics to Judas. I thought him and Kenny were terrible on the microphone. Yeah, they're... <laughs> I don't know that I wasn't really into the golden jets thing. Like it just didn't really strike an interest with me. The only reason like I put up with it is because it gives Ricky Starks and big bill, like two big names to work with. So that was good for them. But since Omega's out indefinitely, I don't know where that's going to go. So they might have, they're going to have to pivot here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we will see what happens, but, you know, my I don't mind seeing less like if Kenny Omega is injured, he needs to take the time off. Right. And like it wasn't really a compelling program. I bet in hindsight that maybe they wish they they maybe they should have lost to the Bucks and broken up, but you know, hindsight being 2020. Um another couple things also the devil with MJF Smojo program's great. Fun, it's the nice, only thing nice they little, got going right now. Yeah, a nice little slow burn. It's a good way. Roddy Strong's getting more matches, which is cool, even though he's still kind of like this really obnoxious character with the, you know, with the, what is it, the kingdom? Is that who yeah. is with them? And then his neck brace, which doesn't even legitimately look like a neck brace. It's like, he looks like a towel wrapped around yeah. his neck and then the glasses. And I like when he wrestles all good and then he'll just like spaz out over it. It's just right. it's really funny. This is the most this is the most interesting Roderick Strong has been like since I've been watching him wrestle. Like this is the most compelling he's been. So good for him. Yes, I agree. 
And it'll be interesting to see what how they end up tying this little devil thing off. There's a lot of rumors it's going to be Britt Baker, which, I mean, would be a pretty ballsy move. Would be a pretty ballsy move. I don't see that. I don't, um, yeah. So there, there, uh, from take this with as many grains of salt as you wish, but according to the dirt sheets, it's not Britt Baker. It's not uh, Jack Perry. And it's not going to be Tony Khan. No, that's what they say. But the last time Tony, it was been a year or two since Tony Khan reiterated how he doesn't want to be an on-screen character. Right. So we'll see, but it, at least it makes me wonder. And it's given some good juice to the Samoa Joe program with MJF kind of battling his own injury situation. Um, and I think the other thing I think is really good is like, I think AEW of all the things they've struggled with, certainly the women's division has been one of them historically, but I think of late their women's division is actually in a pretty good place. It's not bad right now. It's not bad right now. They've had good segments. They've had some good decisive decisions creatively and booking where you have like these these women are going to put on matches and we're building these up. These women are the top of the card. These are the programs with these belts that matter. Right. right exactly. And so, and like, th- it's awesome. There's obviously, you know, some of the wrestlers are still green. I, f- I think they have a problem in development with women wrestlers like Ruby. Soho is great because she's great. She's a vet. She knows. Right. And you see this, but you know, still some of the, when they're trying to introduce maybe some of these younger, newer wrestlers. But I definitely, I think what they've done with Tony Storm from six months ago to now is incredible. Julia Hart, we've talked a lot about. She's in the running for most improved wrestler. And her program with Abaddon, I think, is already going well, and it's just going to go better. Yeah. Also, Abaddon, total indie pro, knows and how to work. it's cool, too, because it's like a lot more people are getting some spotlight now that Julia Hart's TBS champion. So that's opening up to more people from the roster on the roster, getting a shot. And it's not just pigeonholing the talent into like just going after the women's title and that's, or the main title. And that's it. I think the TBS title is a good stepping stone and they're using it well now. Yeah. Cause they fucking ruined it uh, with Jade Cargill. Right. You know? It was just like, it was so dumb, like the streak and everything. So overall, AEW, I think is probably trending up. It still has a lot of work to do. Um, they could all, they could definitely take a left-hand turn with decisions coming to the end of this tournament. They do. It will be interesting to see how they bring back Jack Perry. I guess his suspension is basically over. They just don't, they haven't like brought anything with him, but it seems like they're planting the seeds with the reunion with kill switch formerly known as um luchasaurus luchasaurus so uh which is what they should do yeah you know they tried to like do some other things with them and i don't think it's worked so far i don't like if they were just gonna rename him kill switch then might as well like amassed him and like did the whole thing like hadn't turned like a complete 180 you know yeah, but I'm hoping the maybe the the thought process storyline is, you know, Father Christian now has a new favorite son, and and Luchasaurus Killswitch is going to be on the outs, and then Jack Perry comes back. Somehow it gets tied into this feud with with uh, the rated R superstar. I mean, I love Christian. I think he's been doing excellent work, but 
like at some point the the storylines have to be better. It can't just be him being awesome on the mic and this character, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It's not just a TV show. It's a TV show about professional wrestling, with, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm looking forward to hopefully that, that be like, I feel that's an interesting um, thing that can happen. And then we're going to Osprey's coming. Like, yeah. When and how they interject him into this will be interesting. But uh, I think right now they really need like, I think that it just bringing him in as the alpha dog, like I think would really help them kind of set, set their whole hierarchy. Agreed. So boom. Anything else we want to talk about before we take our powder and then get on to the cool shit. We run a tight ship, 60 minute time limit. So we're doing Um, just one really quick thing. Becky Lynch had a good promo too. Um, Raw was really promo heavy, but she had a good promo against Nia Jax was cool about like, saying that she's so unlikable that her she had to get double knee surgery because her knees wouldn't stand up for her. So I thought it was good. And plus it's good to see Becky Lynch like just still being involved if it does even if it doesn't revolve around the title. So just more good stuff going for Raw. Yeah, man. Uh Becky Lynch, when you look back at 2022, she's done a lot and had a really good year. And I really enjoyed the work she did by going to NXT. Yeah, that was great. And what was Trish uh, Stratton, right? Was that match? Trish Stratton, yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, like, that's, you know, uh, just it's important for big-time wrestlers to do that. But on that note, um, we're going to take a quick powder, and then we'll come back to you with the coolest shit of the holiday season. Once again, we're back with your favorite segment, my favorite segment, Bobby's favorite segment, and the Dark Lord's favorite segment. What do we like to call it? Cool shit. And cool shit always, always, always starts off with what do we call it? The motherfucking mailbag. All right. Let's and you know what's it. funny? When we get our questions, it literally is exactly like Miracle on 34th Street, where they just bring in all of the letters. And it's crazy that our fans send letters still. It's like, we're like, Get at us on Instagram. Get at us on threads. They're just letters, 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 but it's fine. We go through them painstakingly to find the best questions, not two-parters, declarative statements, good questions. We're going to jump into it right now with big-time flex. Greetings and salutations. I was just wondering if you guys heard Cam Newton's comments about Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, and Dak Prescott being gay managers, and what did you think about those comments? I 
look at he's I don't know I don't I think people re, like t- turn their nose up when you're called the game manager and the thing is even though if you're a game changing quarterback you still have to be able to manage the game something that Cam Newton wasn't able to do I know he had an MVP and went to the Super Bowl but he also retired at 32 so where I don't really see how his, these comments hold any water or substance I mean those three quarterbacks mentioned are having like pretty much the season career seasons. Jared Goff just threw five touchdowns tonight. Granted it was against the Broncos, but still the Broncos were on a roll and these are NFL teams. Like Brock Purdy is number one in almost everything. Dak Prescott's a little bit behind him, but Dak is number one in a lot of things too. So I don't, I don't know what, what Cam Newton's problem is. I don't know if he was meaning that for that to be an insult but let's let's just remember, Cam Newton. You also didn't win a Super Bowl. You went there. Nobody nobody talks about second place. If you're not first, you're last. So I don't think he has. I mean, he does have room. He played, but like I said, he's also retired at 32 because he couldn't manage a game himself. Didn't they lose to uh, Peyton Manning's Broncos? They did. The guy who couldn't throw a, you know, who was game was managing the game at that point really well. Peyton Manning. You know why? Because he had had crazy shoulder surgery and he could barely throw a fucking out. Um, Yeah, and it's crazy because it's like, you know, Brock Purdy is thrown for 3,553 yards. Patrick Mahomes, 3,398. Everybody's favorite loser, Justin Herbert, 3,134. Like, what is a game manager? Like, I don't know. Define that. What does that mean? Is it somebody who who has high completions, makes the right checkdowns, and doesn't throw interceptions. Right. Ah, that's a pretty good quarter. Like, and by the way, like that the whole offense was built around that. The ability, like, that's what got, you know, like the Rich Gannon Raiders. It was like, what am I gonna do? We're gonna get the ball out fast. We're gonna manage the game. We're not gonna turn it over. We're not gonna take big chances, you know? And it's like Winning is winning. Everything else is semantics. Everything else is for people like uh, Keyshawn Johnson, which who I like, or uh, Kendrick Perkins, or any of these personalities or former stars to talk about shit. But the reality is, is like Brock Purdy's team is probably going to be the one seed, right? It's like. Fucking who cares if you manage the game? Wins or wins. Like, yeah, that's all that you play for. You and play in for- the NFL, your wins are based on your ability to have a quarterback. Exactly. So I think that's, I mean, you know, Cam Newton, whatever, he's got a name. He had a great, a couple great seasons. He was a dynamic athlete. Um, I'm sure a lot of his coaches wish he could have managed a few games better, like you said. Absolutely. All right, we're going with our our guy from the the uh, the Buckeye State, the Monday Night Moxley, with the Cowboys on a roll, and say they meet the 49ers again in the playoffs. What is your guy's level of confidence in them to make it a game or even win? I think this Cowboys team 100 will make it a win. I believe this the spread will be uh, basically a pick 'em, and my overall confidence of that is probably i don't know zero like 
they haven't beat them in two years in the playoffs until they beat them. They have until- to, it, they have to change it. They have yeah. To and, and they have to win out the rest of these games too. Like, so it's not just like, okay, we're going to look at way ahead to the 49ers. Like they have to realize that they have a real tough schedule coming up. And I keep stressing that because it's true. And this is where we'll see. And this is where we get the confidence that I have in Dak Prescott. If they can make it out of these games, at least if they lose one, no big deal, but these next two games, they have to win. And if they win, then maybe I'll have a little bit more confidence. But right now, it's about, it's consciously optimistic. Yeah, I think they're doing everything right, and they're playing really well. And, you know, these next games, they're, they're going on the road to, to face some tough teams. We're at Buffalo, at Miami. You know, I think that Detroit certainly looked good today, but they certainly haven't looked great. Um, and that is at home, which is, is good, but we have three games on the road of the next four. And Dallas is three and three on the road. We will know what our seed is by the time we go to our final game at Washington. And as we talked about, hopefully that will basically be a off first team offense plays a series and then the bench comes in. And we start looking forward to the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, that'd be the that would be the ideal scenario. Right. And, you know, like. It's tough to win on the road in the NFL, man. And I bet you I, I guarantee also a lot of these teams are saying, hey, we have to win out. We don't want to have to go into Dallas. No, you know, they don't want that. So it's not like all of a sudden the Niners are going to rest people or the Eagles are going to start just resting people and like, Oh, it's the, it's the giants until it's locked up. It's going to be super competitive. So, um, you know, big game tomorrow, big game next week for sure. All right. Last question. We take the top three, something Christmas this way comes. Now that CM Punk is officially back in the mix. Do you guys see him taking Cody's spot? to battle with Roman Reigns for the undisputed title? Absolutely not. He's already locked up in a feud with Rollins. I know this question was probably old, but... Um, also, also, the proof is definitely in the pudding. I would say 100% they had to get Cody Rhodes... They went. They got Cody Rhodes' blessing before they brought CM Punk back. Oh, yeah. there's Yeah, I'm sure they did. CM Punk, like, CM Punk is a factional wrestler now he has lots of very diehard fans and people of a generation but there are lots of fans of wwe who have never seen him wrestle in wwe right they've only seen the pipe bomb on youtube and they're like ah it's a good promo but i don't really get it you know and so whereas cody rhodes has a much more a deeper connection with the fans and i think that wwe is looking at cody rhodes as being kind of this like they want to have this legacy wrestler and the legacy of his father. And he chose to come back, right? He didn't get fired for bad behavior. He weighed his options and he came back to the fold. So I think Cody Rhodes is the guy. I hope that Norvin is, or Xander is right from the previous segment that it doesn't have to wait until 2025. I hope he gets to cash in and he finish his story in april of this year that's what we're hoping for 
But that was our mailbag. Um, if you're listening to this and you want to send in your questions or your comments, you can send it in uh, Instagram, Xander Hobbs. It's X-A-N-D-E-R underscore H-O-B-B-E-S. Same thing on the Twitter or threads machine. Yeah. Bobby, where can I find you? Twitter's dead. Yeah. Uh, WrestleOcalypse, spelled like it sounds, but you know it if you're listening to it. Um, and yes, definitely uh, Instagram and the uh, threads machine. Just go ahead, DM, or even just reply to a post. Ask a right. question. And since you are already listening to this, make sure you follow, give us a like. Um, when the YouTube channel goes up next season, make sure to subscribe. And because we're going to get that going and have a lot more content for you WrestleOcalytes out there. Yes, 2024, obviously, 24. We know that number. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to be striving for, for excellence, even greater excellence. <laughs> we'll save all those details to our end of the year episode coming on the, we're hoping to record on the 30th of BC Emblay. Um, but match of the week, I picked this one out. I found it from the great wrestling fans on Instagram. Um, and this, this was, I guess this was basically, this is the, uh, crowning of the rock. Yeah, that sure was. You know, this really started this. I mean, this was 1998. Would you consider this like the early stages of the attitude era? Yeah, because the the attitude era like technically started like in '97. So yeah, this is still like though we haven't quite gotten to the Austin era yet. Stone Cold Steve Austin is still being built up. The Rock is being built up. They're building up two megastars right now. So this is like prime watching to see what's going on. And this was an interesting match too because this was a the what was called the Deadly Game Tournament for to crown a new WWF <laughs> at the time champion. And um, it was cool because in, well, though Steve Austin fought earlier in the night and he was screwed over by Shane McMahon. Shane was going against his dad in the storyline, but then he turned, flipped the script on Austin and turned on him, costing him the match and thus costing him the WWF title. But this one was interesting though too. Another tidbit was that The Rock was kind of turning babyface. He was in the process of turning babyface. The crowd was chanting along with him. They're saying his lines and stuff, and he was getting really over with the crowd as a babyface when he was going up against Mankind, who was supposedly with Vince McMahon, but we all know as we watch it that it was a setup. Because why, Bobby? Well, um, first off, was it were they calling themselves the corporation back the corporation, then? Corporation, yeah. Yeah, well... Obviously, this was a classic Vince McMahon double turn in the fact that he swerved so hard with the Austin thing early, which sets the crowd up for believing mankind is going to get the win. But no, what happens is toward the end in a callback to the previous year, which many of you know, and if you don't check the archives, we've talked about it. The Montreal screw job of one Brett the Hitman Hart, where The Rock actually gets mankind in the sharpshooter, uses the ropes, and McMahon calls for an early bow. Rock yeah. wins. Rock is now aligned with the corporation. Major heel turn, wins the championship. And I really feel this was like 
this was the match on the smolder the gasoline on the smoldering fire that probably what the next six years just explodes after this the austin rock mcmahon the whole the whole game everything 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 dx like and it was it was like and it's this weird two-year transition not two-year transition but the shock of the montreal screw job and then to so blatantly call back to it with this crazy turn like yeah vince mcmahon was doing some shit different back then like that's why he what always, a fucking genius dude. yeah that's why he says he's got the grapefruits like dude he does and he's <laughs> you know it's been proven he's in a lot of ways a terrible person but as far as in this era the decisions he was making creatively the way he was putting himself in the mix just fucking genius dude yeah this is like primo writing right here and cold-blooded yeah like i totally agree with you this is a great pick yeah and it's cool like who doesn't love mankind no I don't, i've never heard anyone say one ill thing about mick foley aka mankind aka cactus jack aka dude love <laughs> yeah um so it was just really great and then yeah to kind of go back to fight to see like the moment where the rock became the rock right i mean just pretty like and he was kind of like you said he was he was already getting over with the crowd and he continues to get he continues to be over with the crowd and that's really what makes the attitude era so crazy was like there are no face faces or heels or whatever there's anti-heroes there's the crowd is hot for people it doesn't matter what you where you are in the storyline necessarily it was just it was bonkers. Yeah, exactly. Great pick. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate um, the Instagram, the IWC Instagram um, putting this up here. So because I don't even I don't know if I saw it or I don't remember it. But once I got in, I was like, oh, man, that shit. <laughs> talk about that. Uh, so, but we don't only list watch wrestling, although it does take up a lot of our time. I've been watching some cool shit. Um, I send this to you. I watch. I love the All the Smoke uh, podcast. It's with um, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. And they get they just get fucking stars and NBA dudes. And they uh, yeah. And they talk about their experiences. And I didn't didn't get to finish all the Dirk one, but like it it was pretty good what I watched so far. But yeah, and it's just crazy. It's like he didn't even think he was going to come. Like, he's like, I'd only played like the second level in Germany. And I told my agent told everybody like, hey, he may not come if you draft him. Like, because he still had his college eligibility and all this stuff. And uh, the Mavericks drafted him. And then what's crazy is that after they drafted him, Mark Cuban bought the team. So he has this real parallel thing. And he talks a lot about that. And, you know, I think probably of the last 25 years of the NBA, right um mark cuban is as influential an owner as we've had maybe since jerry bus or you know donald sterling in a negative way but so really cool to hear the story also it's like a lot of the people they talk to have like the american i played aau then i was a high school all-american mcdonald's all-american and then i went to a college like you know for instance like when they have you know your more traditional stars of the generation and to hear like the european perspective where you know they didn't have he didn't have necessarily the same um 
like infrastructure around them. Now they do in Europe, all the scouts, all the NBA scouts are in Europe. Like, but he was kind of like really him. And I would say like, you know, you look at Paige Stoyakovich, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Pau Gasol, um, and certainly Dirk, probably the best of all of them, honestly. And I love Pau That's Gasol. Awesome. Pau Gasol is great, but like just pure talent, unguardable, the one, the one-legged shot, um, as far as changing the game and having people look at what what a shooting power forward can do and can be. Um, just really cool. And I just I love the story. So Check out all the smoke podcasts. Check certainly check out the one with Dirk Nowitzki. Then just real quick, uh, we watched the new Indiana Jones movie, which is kind of weird because they used some CG stuff in the beginning to make Harrison Ford look younger. Um, but it was good. It's a fun movie. It's definitely better than the one with the um, Crystal Skull. Uh, uh, we continue to watch Christmas movies. I one of my favorite animated ones is Klaus. We watched that one. Really good. And then. Yeah, just watching a lot of NBA basketball. I got the league pass. Lakers have been um, up and down, but just checking all that out. So, yeah, I've just been watching YouTube Lorna Shore concerts. I'll be talking them up on the walkout music section, so I don't want to say too much. But um, I got to tell you something. I don't have a get rid of one ready. Okay. Um... I totally forgot that it was my. It's okay, it's okay. I let me check my notes real quick. I wrote a few thing ideas down. I'll try. I just have to pull the facts up on one of them. I was gonna do Dallas Cowboy kickers, but I didn't have like enough time to like get the years and like the stats of everything. So, well, I, I mean. I feel like right now, if it's like, oh, it's a 58 yard or it's like, does he even have to come kick it? Just give us the points. Well, tomorrow it's going to be raining. So, yeah, which is fine. I'm just saying that, like, I'm I'm especially nervous about it now because he's gone 30 for 30 and he's due for a miss. So, like, I just don't want him to miss a field goal like in the like in a unopportune time. No, what's going to be stupid is he's going to miss some fucking extra point or something. He's missed three extra points already. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, we're going to do a college one. I was thinking about this um, because there's been a lot of noise recently about the fact that it's pretty ridiculous that Reggie Bush's Heisman got taken away being now that kids are able to make millions of dollars on NIL deals. And all he got was a shitty Dodge fucking car. So it makes me think who are, who is the greatest running back in USC history? Cause there's some heavy hitters. Um, so we, so we're, picking, we're picking the best running back then not the worst, not the worst. We're going to okay. get rid of the other three losers. Okay. And we're going to pick the best. So, um, and this isn't just, this isn't, I didn't just go by and like who had the most yards rushing or whatever. This is kind of the ones that I remember uh, as being a Southern California resident living up. But number one guy, Marcus Allen. He was amazing. The team was great. 
um, went on to have a great pro career. The next one I'm going to go, probably most of us know for negative reasons, but the juice, OJ Simpson, amazing collegiate running back, obviously went on to be dominant with the Bills. Um, 2,000 yards in, in when they went to the 14-game season. Yeah. I think just insane. Obviously, we're going to include Reggie Bush. And then I kind of struggled because I really, really wanted to include um, Lendell White, right? Because it was like Thunder yeah. and Lightning. But I didn't because I feel like in the end, everyone knows Reggie Bush was the better running back. Um, but I did have to go back and I did look at um, a young man named Charles White, who had uh, an incredible career with USC as part of their also. Um, I think he was the starting halfback before Marcus Allen. Okay. So, um, I'm keeping Marcus Allen because I feel like, I mean, it's between him and the juice. So honestly, yeah. And, and I, while the juice did run for 2000 yards, I felt Marcus Allen had the longer, the more longevity to his career because he played for the Raiders and then he had good seasons with the chiefs. He did. So, um, for that, for those reasons, I'm picking Marcus Allen. So I really struggled because I probably had more as a sports fan and the age that I am, uh, those USC teams with Reggie Bush were amazing. Like the, and the shit that he did on the field was like kind of bonkers, but I actually, I went with Marcus Allen too, because one, um, nostalgia, I remember him being awesome with the Raiders, but he was also like a really complete running back. No, he was. I feel like he is like, without Marcus Allen, you don't get a Reggie Bush. No, he was ahead of his time because he would like run. He wasn't just one of those bruiser running backs that ran up the middle. He ran to the outside a lot. And so he did that. And I, he was right up there with, I mean, him and Eric Dickerson were kind of the same same type of back, but like I've always liked Marcus Allen, you know, just because he was awesome. Yeah, I agree. And it's just crazy how many great halfbacks that there were in USC history, and none there will never be any more because the running back is the most like it's not like, it's it's not as utilized as it was back in the not, day, and it's not as valued. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like a recruiter isn't going to go waste their time for the top running back. They're looking at like they're looking at like receivers and stuff. Quarterbacks, receivers, and edge tight ends. Rushers. Tight ends now. Yeah, tight ends are big. Yeah, and then it's like defense is like, what do you want? I just want somebody who gets after the quarterback. Just yeah, get fucking after the quarterback. Oh yeah, offensive linemen are a, a big need for a lot of people oh, too. Oh, left tackle. Yeah, left tackle. Left tackle. Like it seems like everyone needs that. Yeah, and that's it's funny. Like, I think we maybe we've talked about it. Like, I, I enjoy listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. That's a free advertisement. But he was saying, he's like, it's so weird now. It's like, if you have a high pick and you don't know, like, if you're not sure that the quarterback is going to be the guy, he's like, just pick the best receiver, best left tackle. Like, just get the best offensive lineman in college football. And you're probably going to be, that's probably going to be a better upgrade than trying to, like, risk something on and you definitely look it's like the Niners wasted that whole thing with 
uh, whatever that dude that Dallas traded for his name. I don't even remember his name. Trey Young or Trey something or another. Trey Lance. Chase Young. Oh, oh it's, uh, yeah. Um, Trey Lance. Yeah, it's like well, that was a big waste of a pick. I'm sure if you would have just gotten the the best offensive lineman, he'd probably be playing meaningful snaps right now. You know, and so and definitely when you see like the CD Lambs, the Jeffersons, the um, Tyreek Hills, uh, the receiver position, like if you just send your receiver deep four times a game, you're probably going to at least get one pass interference. Yeah. At least. At least. And if you have a terrible quarterback who underthrows it, you'll probably get two. Because that's like the key. You underthrow it, so when they try to come back, they get ran over, and it's like easy call. Exactly. Or the guy's going to make a crazy play. So it's interesting. But that was a good, that was a good impromptu uh, save the day. We'll let you come back next week with one. Yeah, I'll get one next week. But we talked about a little bit in the mailbag. Dallas, last since last time we spoke, put in a complete effort, whipped the Eagles, whipped them good. Um, Eagles, two devastating losses in a row. Face a tough game next week. Uh, some injuries in the NFL definitely have taken their toll. But there's one person who's been immunized against losing, who may be cleared. And in the Jets' time of need, they need no in time for Christmas a savior. And that savior is Aaron Rodgers. It's fucking bullshit. There needs to be a goddamn... We need a congressional inquiry because if he said, if they say he had a ruptured Achilles tendon and he didn't how much money and bets have been made on that information that was publicly released but a lot oh i know because it's like oh if you're already coming back i know he wants the narrative that he's superhuman and his his doctors and his uh ayahuasca treatments or what got him there but no probably he didn't really actually rupture your i don't think he ruptured it because there's no way you'd be back that quick at his age at his age and he's like, he's Aaron Rodgers. He's not Kobe Bryant. Right. Like, I don't think the guy was like, I mean, I see him lounging around getting paid millions of dollars to go on Pat McAfee's show. And it sucks right right when Zach Wilson is reestablishing himself as the quarterback of the future. This guy comes in and he's going to ruin it all for Zach. I don't know. It's a good thing. That, it's, it's a good thing the Jets aren't going anywhere. Which is why would he come back? Like, why he's, would you? He's come not back? going to. He's no, not he's just—he's mad because Travis Kelsey's been getting all the press because he's he's uh, banging uh, Taylor Swift. But yeah, that's another story for another time. Let's yeah. get into these games. We've got yes, some games. indeed. All right, Cowboys versus Bills. As of tonight, the line is two. Buffalo favored by two. Over under forty nine and a half. I am going with Cowboys. And the under. Yeah, it's a coin flip, and I'm going to have to coin flip on the Cowboys and the under. It's not, I'm not confident in this game. I'm not either, but if the weather's bad, I can definitely see a game where Micah Parsons makes his presence known because it's wet. Uh, the receivers aren't getting off the line as well. 
it helps it helps the secondary cover up in the back end they get after Josh Allen Josh Allen tries to do too much he uh he fails to be a game manager cuz he wants to get the praise of Cam Newton tries to make classic Josh Allen boneheaded throws we get a turnover we win the turnover game and we end up slogging out a solid victory if we win the turnover game then we'll win the game I agree. That's, just, that's how if we get takeaways we'll and capitalize on them, we'll win the game. That's what I I agree. So and I think that's a big part of it. And like Josh Allen makes bad plays all the time. So yeah, just nobody talks about it. Yeah, except for Dolphins fans. Because they True. for so they have this chip on their shoulder because they, they think that Tua is better than Josh Allen. Next. Next, Bears versus Browns. Cleveland is favored by a field goal, three points, over and 37 and a half. Justin Fields looking good. Cleveland's defense solid, though. I'll take the Browns because it's at home. Browns and... Uh... I hate how we have to do the over-under sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, like... So 38. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I was going to say, like, I could definitely see this game being 17-14. Yeah. Because I don't quite trust the Bears. I don't either, but Justin Fields certainly has looked good, and they did. Uh, they beat the brakes off the Lions, who just came back and dropped, you know, it's like, that's got to mean something, I guess, so. But I think the Browns have to win this game. They're still in a playoff contention. They're not just, you know, the Bears are just trying out Justin Fields to see if they're going to take a quarterback in the draft or not. The Browns still have, you know, meaningful games. They also, um, they have some defensive players who are probably up for bonuses and awards. So that's why I like it. Browns and under. All right. The reeling Sheeps versus the Pets. And I am going, the line is eight points i am going with the pats maybe not to win but certainly to cover to cover yeah and the under and i'll tell you why one because the chiefs as from what i've heard the chiefs receivers can't catch a cold number two the pats defense in two consecutive games only allowed 10 points despite the fact they lost they still only allowed 10 points um and i think with all of this hoopla about it being leaked that the pats are going to move on from belichick he's going to win out and he's going to make sure they have like not as good a draft pick because i think he's i think he's a mean-hearted person like that yeah so i'm gonna go opposite i'm gonna take chiefs chiefs in the over just because i think they're pissed about last week well, yeah, but I mean, they have to, they have to play better. It's not about being mad. They'll play like, better. The Chief, the Patriots suck. Patriots defense doesn't suck. All right, this has big implications uh, in the AFC playoff race. Ravens, I believe, are still holding on to the um, one seed, or they're certainly yeah, in the hunt with yeah. Miami. Jags are. I think still leading their division, but it's gotten a little bit closer after some losses. So uh, Baltimore is only favored by three and a half going to Jacksonville. 
Um, and the over under is 42 and a half. I don't trust the Jags. Mm-hmm. I don't trust the Ravens either, though. That's what's crazy. Like, so um, Lawrence had a high ankle sprain. He played last game. They lost. How long does it take to get come back from a high ankle sprain? I mean, I like tweak my neck. It takes me three weeks, but I'm not Trevor Lawrence and I don't have the NFL training staff. But I mean, and it's such a shitty line. I'm just going to take the Ravens with the uh, under. All right. You convinced me. I don't think that Trevor Lawrence can score a lot of points. The Ravens defense, from what I remember. Not with the Ravens, D. Yeah, I mean. That's just what it is on paper. Yeah, when you got Bart Scott and you got. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't play for them anymore. All right, last game. This one, I will definitely. Probably won't watch it. I will definitely be monitoring the score via ESPN app. That's another free plug. The Eagles versus the Seahawks. To me, this is the most difficult game that the Eagles have remaining in Seattle. I do believe, is it the Sunday night game? No, it's Monday night. Monday night game. That's right. So it's going to be a big game. Seattle, you know, even when they're not a great team, people come out. It is a legitimate home field advantage. They're either they either got to step up or the season's going to unravel. Eagles, you know, may they're only favored by three, which I mean, I think is actually pretty good being that they're going into Seattle and they have three guys out too right now. The Eagles, the Eagles, they got Darius Slay, Cam Jurgens, and Zach Cunningham all out. Darius Slay had surgery on his knee on Monday, so. I'm going to take the Seahawks to win and the over. All right. So here's, here's, I agree with you. And this is what sent me over. The Seahawks are 13 and four on Monday night football under coach Pete Carroll. Only the Steelers have a better winning percentage. 13 and four Monday night football. You got to take those. That's a good stat. It's a good stat. Well, it just shows, you know, like Pete Carroll knows how to get his team ready for the, the marquee games. For prime time. Because yeah. he, he was playing nothing but marquee games when he was in SC. I know. I know. He just needs to know when not to call a slant. Yeah, true. I think Under, you're saying, or over? Over. Over. All right. Geno Smith is back, too. So Yeah. After Aaron Darn- Darnold separated his soul from his body. Exactly. He, he he was that was a crazy hit. Aaron Donald's still so fucking good. He's 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 like one of the few good ones on that team. Well, they're they're sneaky good, man. Like they they weren't they weren't good when Dallas beat the piss out of them, according to the analysts. No, 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 no. They didn't look good again. They just didn't look good against Dallas. Like you don't become a losing team unless you lose. And part of it is when better teams beat you. It's just it's just funny because like 
when they they'll be like, oh, this is the test, and then Dallas will pass that test, and then they'll move the goalpost. They're like, well, they yeah. got to get they got to go do this, and so the, a lot of people had the Rams beating Dallas when they were matched up that game, and now. I was just like, I was, I'm just, I don't say whether they're going to win or gonna lose. I'm just going to say they sh- either should or they shouldn't. And the thing is they showed this year that they beat the shit out of the, all these teams that they're supposed to do. And I'm just tired of the narrative and the goalposts being moved. Dallas can win a Super Bowl, and they'll still move the goalposts. Honestly. Yeah. Cause it's going to be something like, well, oh, well the, the Niners lost in the divisional round, so they didn't have to go beat the Niners. So it doesn't exactly. really count. Right. But the Rams are in the eighth position. Exactly. Like, and they're six and seven. And, you know, uh, six and seven is obviously a losing record, but they've definitely trended up. They have a good coach. If their quarterback is healthy, he's knows how to get the job done. He does. Um, they've got some good. Who is who's the guy with the funny name? Puka Nakua. Thank you. Because and people sometimes what confuses me and hey, this is look, take note, announcers. Some people call him by his last name and some people call him by his first name. So he's he's either Nakua or Puka. Yeah, it's like oh Puka, they're throwing it to Puka. Puka's really getting the job done, Jim. Or it's like and Nakua rolls out oh and the pass to Nakua. It's like whoa 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 hold on like I don't watch this team. I don't care about this team. You got to help me out at least call him by one single name. Yeah, but yeah, man. Six and seven Rams. Um, trending upwards, it seems. Trending like. upwards, trending upwards. But uh, this is the important part of the year, too, where you have to build momentum and you can't just like stumble into the playoffs like Dallas has done so many years. But I'm sorry, just keep bringing us back to him. This is, this is a, these are huge next few weeks. I can't, huge next few weeks. Enough. Huge next few weeks. And if they come out the other side of Miami, even just two wins and one loss. Uh, on this three-week section of Eagle, like, it shows what they can do, you know? Right, exactly. But I think if they beat the Bills, they're going to go into Miami so fucking fired up. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's like they know, because that's that's like, especially if the Eagles lose to the Seahawks. And here's the thing, too, lastly, before we move on. Like, as good as San Francisco is, they lost three in a row. Right. So it's like it's not going to be unheard of if the Eagles do drop a bunch of games in a row. And then, you know, I don't think they're going to fall out of the playoffs because they do get to play the Giants twice. Right. Although Tommy DeVito's a made man. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Because the commanders took the Eagles to the limit twice. And once once you start losing games and, you know, like anything can happen. The Eagles, I don't think. And I've said I think we both said this at the beginning of the season aren't as good as their record shows. I know they have wins, but like they were, they had to, they had to be in dogfights for some of those wins, which shows that they're battle tested, but, but still like they, they have a lot of stuff going for them and the bounces aren't going their way this, this time. So we'll see how they can come out of this. Yeah. But this is a a good test, a tough test. So I feel like we're probably going to win every single one of these picks, except for the one that you and I are different on, which in which case you will lose. No, you need to strike that and reverse it. Oh, please. Oh, I'm going to back, 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 and Pat's game hit, watch this hit. And then, and then I, you'll be getting a message from me for sure. It's all right. I think the Pats. The eight point spread is tough, dude. 
I just think the Chiefs are going to come out firing. They're going to come out. They're going to throw. The Pats, are, the Pats have won two games, three games. I'm they not saying they're going to win. I'm not saying they're going to win. I know you're not I'm saying, saying they're going to win, but this one over here thinks they're going to win. I think they're going to either lose. They're going to lose. They're going to win or lose by less than eight. That's what I think. I think Belichick is going to come out in severe fuck you mode because somebody leaked that shit. Somebody from the Pats, not him. Uh, everybody knew that he was leaving anyway. Come Dude, on. But that's not that's not how that shit works in the Patriots. When you're cheating, you cheat quietly. You deflate footballs. You have guys with video cameras. You don't do it blatantly. You don't let the world know your dirty laundry. Yeah, we'll see. This, this lady, the this lady on um uh, on the Bill Simmons podcast who used to cover the Patriots, she says that basically, if McCarthy doesn't win, that she could see Jerry Jones bringing in Bill Belichick. I hope not. I hope not. No, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, she's like Jerry Jones is crazy enough to do it. And it's different because his son, the future owner, is the personnel guy. So maybe, you know, it doesn't look like Bill Belichick is taking a lesser role when you take the personnel away from him because he's blatantly, he's shown he can't draft. Last seven drafts have been terrible for the Patriots. Exactly. And he's going to want to be the GM if he goes to Dallas. Yeah, but Stephen Jones, the guy who has the same last name as the owner, and Jerry Jones, who got basically got rid of Jimmy Johnson just out of spite. So people reckon, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that I think that one Mike McCarthy, it would take a lot for him not to be brought back next season. Yeah. Because he's definitely improved. Yeah, they like I said, they definitely righted the ship from yeah. when they played San Francisco. So, like, you know, I don't think so. I think more you're more looking at like can the Spanos family make it happen and bring him into a place like the Chargers where the division's so fucking weak? Yeah. Like, so weak. I mean, the, the Chiefs are on their way. Yes, the Chiefs are great or and have as good as they've been, but you're still guaranteed to get another four wins every single season. You should be able to beat, you know, the rest of the division. So we'll see. But Yeah, we will see. But what we won't see, we will hear, is our walkout music. I'm gonna go first because it sounds like you're gonna you're gonna tell us a little bit about a band. So I'm coming out to a song called "It's Dangerous Business," walking out your front door, which is true because in our in my hometown today was the MAGA parade, mm-hmm. where all of all of the mouth breathing troglodytes all, all gathered up with all of their sweet flags and drove around because you know. I'm glad I was at work. Yes, but it's called "It's Dangerous Business Walking Out Your Front Door." The band is called Under Oath. I think it's just really cool. I like how it starts. I like it's kind of heavy. Um, I feel like it's a good addition to another strong offering of our in episode playlist called "Songs to Swanton To," and you can check this song out right now. <laughs> Save me! 
Yeah. I have an old Under Earth EP that's pretty cool, and it's like, it's pretty heavy. It's uh, Under Oath. I thought, yeah, Under Oath, right? Oh, I thought you said Under Earth. I'm sorry. Yeah, Under uh, Oath. Yeah, no, it is. It's like, I think it came up on my Discover Weekly. Um, let me check it out real quick. It's off of a 2004 album. Okay. Called They're Only Chasing Safety. Oh, I know that one. The um, EP that I had was called, let me bring it up right here. Oh, where is it? Albums. They have a lot of albums. They do. And I don't like how Spotify does it now where it like, you don't just see the albums. It shows you all the songs and you have to like scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, the EP. Maybe it was an album. I don't know, but it was good. Um, I'm not going to waste any more time on that. Sorry. Good pick, though. Thanks, man. Thanks. I'm interested. I can't wait to hear about yours. So this is a band that I've been into for like the past like three weeks. That's all I've been listening to. Um, yeah, Janine calls it a band crush. That's fine. Um, so they're from New Jersey. They're called Lorna Shore. And they are a death metal band. But sounds way different like just super crazy time changes like intricate guitar work the drummer just shreds and the singer just hits every single range or the the guy screaming hits every single range of scream it's awesome someone thought like they're like dude he sounds like they put his screaming next to like a pig boring like a pig doing the squeal thing and it was like pretty goddamn similar but um, anyways, before I give, go off on a tangent like I already did, this is off the EP and I return to nothingness and it's the title track. So you can check it out right now. Yeah, man, this album, this EP and the album Pain Remains and Immortal are also ones to check out. So make sure you give those guys a shout if you dug that. Also, it will be on this with the interlude and the outro on Songs to Swanton to. Yeah, man, I love the album art. Yeah, they're pretty tremendous, dude. Yeah, I'll definitely I I I put you on mute while you're talking and then I listen to it and I'm going to definitely check it out. So very good. Yeah, man, they have some sweet playthrough drum playthroughs on YouTube that are cool to watch. So you can check that out. So that's pretty much all that's been taking up my listening time. That's awesome, though. I love that when you band binge. Yeah, it's just wait, go took a deep dive down the rabbit hole to say that five times fast. Yeah, man, it looks like um, they're playing the Palladium and they're sold out December 20th. The Palladium? Yeah. 
Oh, in Worcester, or Worcester. Not yeah. Oh, I just tripped out a little bit. Well, yeah, they're, they're yeah, when they're they in play Vegas, places, they're gonna sell out. Yeah, they're playing in a Vegas uh yeah, six sad world. Yeah, yeah, but if they're gonna be in Vegas, maybe they're gonna play some club shows. Hopefully. Keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. Well, since we can't top that, yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly in this life, Bobby B. And we're always reminding you to show empathy, protect the environment, defend the animals, and support the Russellocalypse. Booyakasha. Booyakasha.